This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Bruchem Abon, welcome everyone. This is our last Agra de Perkashir before Pesach. And because the Yom Tif is coming and there's so much to talk about, I want to try to share with you two Shirim today. Uh, before we begin, I want to uh, let everybody know that uh, the new Haggadah came out. Uh, Magadarakiani English uh, on the Haggadah Shal Pesach. There's uh, a lot of new information in this <coughs> that's not in the Sefer in Lashon HaKodesh and vice versa. The Sefer in Lashon HaKodesh is also, uh, there are many, many, many chapters that are on Nisan and Shvi Shal Pesach that are not in this Sefer. So this is available um, in all the Sfarim stores. You can get it at artscroll.com. We're now about a year after the Petira of Reb Chaim Kenevsky. I would like to share with you this morning Divrei Torah from Reb Chaim Kenevsky on the Haggadah Shal Pesach. We're going to call this year Top 10 Divrei Torah of Reb Chaim Kenevsky on the Haggadah Shal Pesach. And these Divrei Torah are called from no less than 8 different Svarim on Reb Chaim Kenevsky. Because I want to share with you two subjects today, we're going to move through it quickly. So first, 10 exhilarating, electrifying Divrei Torah from Reb Chaim Knievsky on Haggadah Shal Pesach. Number one, we have the Simanma of the Seder. And these are of very early origin. The Simanum, either it comes from Rashi or from one of the Balei HaToysvis. And a question you could ask is, why... The only simon that has a vav hachibor is orchatz. Kadesh orchatz. I mean, you could say kadesh orchatz vikarpas viyachatz umagir urachza umaitzimatza umara. Why is the vav dafka by orchatz? Right? Good question. No, that's a great question. So, uh, Reb Chaim Knievsky in the Haga, in the Sefer Siach Sivsoisenu, he brings that the meaning of these simanim is, the meaning of the extra vav, is orchatz needs to be right after kiddush. Why? Because we have a rule, kiddush needs to be b'makayim suda. You don't want to interrupt between kiddush and the suda. Now, the suda is going to be in quite a while. Shulchan Aruch is going to be in quite a while. But the beginning of the suda is already... Karpas. Karpas is already the beginning of the Suda. So in order not to be mafsik between the Kadesh and the Suda, so we do Urchatz. Kadesh Urchatz. We immediately wash our hands. So that it should be Kiddush B'makoim Suda. You don't want to have an interruption between the Kiddush and the Suda. Again, Karpas is the beginning of the Suda and therefore it's Kadesh Urchatz. We have a Vav HaChibor by the word Rachatz. Okay, we move on. In Shulchan Aruch, Archaim Simon Beis, there's a question about whether a woman does Haseba. In Simon Tafayin Beis Sif Dalid, it says a woman does not need to do Haseba unless she's an important woman. So in the times of the Mechaber, not every woman necessarily, the Mechaber is quoting Rishonim. And uh, he's saying not every woman necessarily is chashuv. And the Ramah says, all of our women are considered chashuv. 
Okay, so it's interesting thing. Somewhere in between the times of the Rishonim and the early Achreinim, all women became Chashuv. Right, nowadays every Bachar in Lakewood is a Chashuv Bachar. But, it, it, and all women are Chashuv and Nashim. But it used to be that not all women were Chashuv. When, historically, when did this transformation take place that all women became Chashuv? So Chaim Knievsky, aside, you know, he was, he's given the great title. He's called the Sar HaTayra. The Sar HaTayra, the Prince of the Tyra, the King of the Tyra. Now it's not easy to be the King of the Tyra. You have to have such mastery over the Tyra to be a Sar HaTayra. In fact, someone once came to Chaim Knievsky and he said, you know, I have a hard time remembering learning. So Chaim said, okay, so, Chazarit, a thousand times. So the person said, is that possible? Chaim Knievsky said, well, the Shagis Aryeh Chazarit something, Chazarit Shah 613 times. So it's possible. So they asked Chaim, how long does it take to review Shas? Chaim said, to review the whole Shas? The whole Shas? 30 minutes. It takes 30 minutes to review the whole Shas. Now, I assume that means the general principles, but that's somebody who could review the whole Shas in 30 minutes, he could be the Yisar HaToyra. Anyway, Reb Chaim Knievsky, but aside from his godless and Torah, he also, he had a sense, he, had a, he did have a sense of humor. He dealt with hundreds of people a day, and in order to be soivel, all kinds of different people, he definitely was able to uh, laugh at... at uh, human uh, humor. Anyway, Reb Chaim would like to ask riddles. Torah dika riddles. Riddles that made you think, that made you have, uh, it brought in your Yediyas HaTorah. So Reb Chaim would ask, when did our women become Chashuv? And Reb Chaim answered, from the time of the Cherem de Rabbeinu Gershaim, when Rabbeinu Gershon made a Takana, you can't marry two wives, so, back in the day when you could have many wives, so women weren't so chashuv. But, nowadays, you can only take one wife, women were upgraded, they became chashuv. Now, in my Sefer, so that's what was, was brought in the Sefer, Minchas Toida, from Reb Chaim Knievsky. But, in the Reb Chaim Knievsky on Zmiroy, on page 156, when Reb Chaim posed this riddle, of when did women become Chashuv, Reb Chaim said from the time of the Takana of the Chemer Rabbeinu Gershon, where A, women were elevated, that you can't marry more than one woman, and you can't divorce a woman against her will. That also elevated the status of the woman. So Reb Chaim added that at this historic moment, when Rabbeinu Gershon was Masak, and you can't marry more than one wife, and you can't divorce her against her will, that is when women became Chashuv. Tvar Torah number three. Echad chacham, v'echad rasha, v'echad tam, v'echad she'eno yedeel Now the Gros says something very interesting. The Gros says the opposite of chacham is she'eno yedeel The opposite of a wise person is someone who can't ask. The opposite of a rasha, of a wicked person, is a tam. Someone who is wickedly deceitful and clever, the opposite of that is someone who's wholesome, a tam. So the question is, why do we put the rasha 
next to the Chacham, why don't we put the Tum next to the Chacham? And, you know, the Russia, he's, he's wicked, he's a bad guy. Why does he have this uh, domain of Chashivos that he gets to be next to the Chacham? And Reb Chaim Knievsky said that the Russia is better than a Tum. Why? Because a Russia, at least he could become a Chacham. He's wicked, but at least he has the capability to become a Chacham. A Tum, an Amaretz, will never become a Tamil Chacham. Because he doesn't have the intellectual stature to be able to become great. So in other words, a Russia is better off than a Tum. A Russia has the opportunity to turn it around. Rav Chaim would point to the Gemara Psachim that how terrible it is, Chazal said, to marry off your daughter to an Amaretz. Yaakov was nitba that he didn't give his daughter to Esav, lest Esav, uh, lest his daughter turn Esav around. So think about it. You're not allowed to marry, says Reb Chaim, you're not allowed to marry off your daughter to uh, an Amaretz. But you are commanded to marry your daughter. In other words, you're not allowed to marry your daughter to an Amaretz, but Yaakov was accountable for not marrying off his daughter to Esav. Yeah, because Esav's not an Amaretz, he's a Russia. A Russia is, is much better than an Amaretz. Amaretz, chas v'sholem, to marry your daughter to an Amaretz. But to marry your daughter to a Russia... Maybe Yaakov Avinu should have, because uh, Dina would have turned her turned him around. Number four. So that Tvar Torah came from the Haggadah Shel Pesach Toiras Chayim. We move on to Tvar Torah number four. Arami Oived Avi Vayered Mitzrayma, and then in the Haggadah we have Lavan Bikesh Lakar Esakal. We had Arami Oived Avi, Vayered Mitzrayma. First of all, where in the world do we find that Lavan tried to destroy all of Kal Yisrael? And what is the juxtaposition of Arami Oived Avi to Vayered Mitzrayma? And Reb Chaim Knievsky in his Sefer Taim of the Kra explains, based on the Sefer Hayashar, at the end of Ayyad that when Lavan went, left Yaakov, he sent messengers to Esav, to Esav, you should destroy Yaakov. So now we see how Lavan wanted to destroy Yaakov. He sent a letter to Esav, go attack Yaakov. So in the Medrash of Parshas Ayishach, we find that the reason why Esav did not kill Yaakov, why didn't Esav kill Yaakov? Because his men told him, you know, if you're going to kill Yaakov, then you're going to have to pay the debt of Kiger Yazaracha. And you're going to have to go down to Mitzrayim. So Esav told Amalek, okay, listen, wait till the Jews go down to Egypt and only afterwards attack them. Because if you attack them and kill them before, you're going to have to go down to Mitzrayim. So now we understand the juxtaposition. Arami Oyvedavi. Arami wanted to kill Yaakov. How? By Esav. And the only reason he didn't is Vayered Mitzrayma. The only reason he didn't is because we had to go down to Mitzrayim and Esav did not want to have to pay up that uh, obligation. Okay. Dvar Torah number 5. This comes from the Sefer Taima Dekra, Parshas Va'era. Hineni mashliach becha es I will incite against you 
the wild animals. Rav Chaim wants to know why by all the Makos it says the Lashon of being a messenger, being sent out, only by Arav it says Shiluach. And the reason is, based on the Gemara and Tainas and Davchavez, that a wild animal is only considered dangerous unless it's incited, it's a visitation. So therefore by the Arav, God said, I'm going to incite the wild animals. I'm going to vi- uh, make a visitation upon you. It's a maka mishulachas. And that's why by all the makas, it, def- it specifically says mashliach when it comes to the maka of arayv. Okay? Let us, we're going to take a battery time out. Okay, here we go. Devar Torah, number 6. Rabbi Huda Bahem Simanim. Rabbi Huda would give Simanim. Simply this means that Rabbi Huda gave Simanim to the Makais in order to remember the Makais. In order to remember the order of the Makais because we find in Tehillim that there was a different order. So Rabbi Huda would give Simanim to help remember the order that Tzach Hadash B'yachav. However, the Lashon of Haya Noisein implies that this was not specific to the Makos, but this was Rabbi Huda's general approach to learning. For example, we find him in Aches Dav Tzadik Vav, by the Lechem Hapanim. Rabbi Huda would give Simanim. Rabbi Huda would want to differentiate between the Lechem Hapanim and the Shtei HaLechem. So Rabbi Huda would give uh, a simon, for example, in the Haggadah Shopesach, Tairas Chaim, he brings, Rabbi Huda would give a simon so you don't confuse the Shtei Alechem with the Lechem Aponim. The Shtei Alechem was four Amois long, four Amois wide, and the Karnoisa were Dalad, Zadad, and Yehu, the Lechem Aponim, were ten by five by seven. So this was not something that Rabbi Huda did on a one-time basis, but rather Rabbi Huda would constantly give simanim. Or the stipler, give, give another example, in the Yushalmi it's written, that in Adar Sheni, you should write Shtarois, Adar Tinyanan, Rabbi Huda said, just write a tough. So this is Rabbi Huda Lashitase. Rabbi Huda always just uh, gave simanim for, to help remember and to help um, to help jog one's memory and to retain information, Rabbi Huda would give simanim. Now, while, while we're on the subject, I want to share with you, this was something very special about Rabbi Chaim. In the Sefer, Bedidi Hava Uvda, uh, he brings an example of Rabbi Chaim's tremendous Bekiyos. In Masech Brachos and Dav Rashi says, in Brachos Chafheyom Ebeiz, Loyadati. I don't know where it is. So Rabbi Kiva Eger is Metzayin there. Many, many times where Rashi writes, I don't know where it is. And by the way, that's 
seems like it's the longest Gilyan Hashas in Shas, the collection that Rabbi Kiva Eger makes of all the places that Rabbi Kiva, that Rashi did not know where something is. Isn't that interesting that of all the places that of isn't it interesting that of all the places that um Rabbi Kiva Eger would collect should be the biggest collection of Rashi's, the largest comment of Rabbi Kivager should be all the places that Rashi said, I don't know where it is. And actually, Rabbi Chaim himself, in his Gemara, he writes that Rabbi Kivager forgot some places, and there are more places where Rashi says, Loyadati. So first of all, you see the great Bakiyas of Rabbi Chaim Knievsky, that he came up with instances that are not even mentioned in Rabbi Kivager. But they asked Rabbi Chaim the following question. They said, what, what's Rabbi Kivager doing? Why would Rabbi Kivager gather all the places that Rashi says he doesn't know? I mean, is that, is that a worthwhile endeavor to gather all the places where Rashi says he doesn't know? I mean, is that really learning? Is that a worthwhile endeavor? And, and if Rabbi Kivager is gathering the places, why didn't he gather all the places? And if he didn't, then why did Rabbi Chaim Kiyavsky add other places. So Rabbi Chaim explained this Indian very beautifully. That the Gemara says in Shabbos, Kuf Mem Hamad Beis, Habayim Yashreish Yaakov Yatzitzu Farach Yisrael. That these are the Tamidah Chachamim in Bavel that they make Tzitzinu Frachim LaTayra, flowers, designs for the Torah. It's considered a beautification of the Torah if you gather together similar ideas that are found in different places, it's decorative for the Torah. It brings honor and glory to the Torah. And therefore, says Reb Chaim, Rashi says, I don't know, Rabbi Kiva Eger, to beautify the Torah, he gathered together other Mekoymois where Rashi says he doesn't know. Rabbi Kiva Eger didn't mean to gather every single place in Shas that Rashi says he doesn't know. Just what occurred to him at the moment, on the spot, by Mishkal Rishon. And that's where Reb Chaim filled in other examples. But it's considered a kavod to the Torah. A beautification for the Torah of why uh, to gather together even ideas that are not perhaps the most critical ideas, even as perhaps mundane as places where Rashi says, I don't know, gathering together similar ideas is decorative for the Torah. Now, once we're on the topic, it is well known that once we're on the topic of Ditzach Adash Biachav and Rashi Tevais, we know that Reb Chaim Knievsky very often would bless people, meaning in a very abbreviated way, he would say, Buha, standing for Bracha V'Hatzlacha. And it was sort of mysterious, why Reb Chaim would do that. And um, in the, the Haggadah Shopesach Torah Chaim, he brings from the Sefer Minchas Toida, that the reason ha, ha, uh, Reb Chaim did that is based on the Sefer Chasidim. Sefer Chasidim says it is decreed on a person how many footsteps he will take in his lifetime, how many words he will speak. And nevertheless... So Reb Chaim would say Boha, so to speak, to condense, to make his words more abbreviated. 
After all, he would have to be mavarich hundreds of people a day, and this way he would save his words. This is one of the uh, ideas mentioned of why Reb Chaim would say buha. Actually, just yesterday, someone suggested to me a different reason. My father suggested to me another reason, based on a Maisa Shahaya. Actually, it's an interesting Maisa. The Maisa is like this. So, people came over to purchase the Haggadah, and if I have time, they want me to write something in it. So, okay, I write some nice words in it, some divrei, uh, good w- uh, wishes. After all, every a Jew has the capacity, Hashem told Abraham, anyone is able to bless another Jew. Anyway, sometimes people come, and I have to go to Mincha, or I have to go to Marav, there's not so much time. And sometimes, you know, there's more time. So not every, not all the wishes are the same, not always am I able to write something. Anyway, two people were sitting next to each other in Shul. One guy opened up his Haggadah, and he had a very abbreviated uh, bracha. The other guy opens up his Haggadah, and he had a whole Megillah. He had a whole long bracha. And the other guy had Chalisha Sadas, that he, he doesn't have a nice bracha. So, so my father said, well that's why Rabbi Chaim tells everybody the same thing. Everyone gets the same bracha, buha. Nobody feels bad. Nobody, ha'oshir lo lo yamit. You know, mi bracha mi boha. That's the takana. This way there's no kina, there's no sacharis, and there's shalom al Yisrael. Anyway, um, but perhaps there are other cheshboinus that Reb Chaim had. Let's move on in the divrei Torah. You know, in the Haggadah we say, Ve'alayam laku chamisha makas. On the yam, they, were, they got 50 makas. You know, it doesn't say in the Torah the 50 makos alayam. Why doesn't it say, why isn't it not mefurash in the Torah what, that there were 50 makos on the yam? It doesn't say about the makos on the yam at all. And Reb Chaim would say that the ones that were in the yam, B'nai Yisrael did not see. And the Mitzrayim uh, were drowned. And there's nobody to relay the Makos. So in other words, Reb Chaim is saying that the Makos Alayam, B'nai Yisrael didn't see, and the Mitzrayim drowned, and they didn't have, nobody could speak about it. So the question is, well, what exactly does this mean? So in the Haggadah Shal Pesach Tars Chaim, it's elaborated further. Reb Chaim would say like this, we know there's a principle and this is something we spoke about many times, that anything that is explicit in the Torah, since the Torah is the blueprint of creation, will be outright and blatant in the world. That's the reason Rav Aaron Kala would say, why Olam Haba is not mentioned in the Chumash. Because then we would be able to see Olam Haba. And Ayin loy ra'asa elokim zulasecha, Hashem doesn't want us to be able to see Olam Haba. However, um, so anything in the Tar Shabbat is out in the open. Anything that's not written explicitly is not readily apparent. Therefore, the Eser Makois, which were apparent and outright and blatant, the Torah writes explicitly. The 50 Makois that were only B'toi Chayam and were not really seen, only in the Mitzrayim who drowned, <coughs> they were only written in the Torah B'derach Ramez. Okay, Dvar Torah number 8. 
And this is very interesting because we're learning Ksubas now, Perak Elonaros. And one of the main themes of Elonaros is Kimle Bidrabmine, Eno Loikel Meshalem, Enoi Mesu Meshalem, that Misa or Einshem Pater you for monetary payment. So the Parshish Drachem asks a famous question that how could HaKadosh Baruch Hu be done, the Mitzrayim, with Misa and Mamoin, but we hold, Ein Adam Esu Meshalem. You don't die and pay. In fact, Toysus, in the fifth parak, Amasachas Avoidazara, Daf Ayin Aleph Omebez, Toysus writes, that even by Bnei Noyach, we say, Kimle B'derab Minei. So since the Mitzrayim were in Eschayev Misa, how could they be Chayev Mamoin? What's Pshat in the Bizas Hayam? Once the Mitzrayim died, so they shouldn't have to make monetary payment as well. So in the Darach Sicha, they uh, asked Reb Chaim this question of the Parshat Drachim, and he says that from the Gemara and Sanhedrin, it's Mavuar, that the monetary payment, the Bizas Mitzrayim and the Bizas Hayam, was not monetary payment, but that was rather the money they owed for, for our workload. They owed us wages for our work. In fact, in the Haggadah Shel Pesach, Tairas Chaim, he brings, in the Haggadah Shel Pesach, Tairas Chaim, um, he brings that the Gemara Sanhedrin says that one time the Egyptians came many hundreds of years later to a court case before Alexandra Smokdan. So they said, Alexander, you know, the Jews borrowed all our gold, silver, and wealth, and they never paid us back. Give it back to us. So Gvia ben Pesisa said to the rabbis, I want to I fight with those Egyptians. If they beat me, so big deal, they beat a simpleton. If I am victorious over them, then you could say that the Torah defeated them. So they allowed Gvia ben Pesisa to uh, adjudicate with the uh, Egyptians. And he said, where are you bringing a raya from that we took your money? From the Torah? I'll bring you a raya from the Torah. You made 600,000 Jews work for 430 years. Pay up. So Alexander said to the Egyptians, you know, good taina. What do you say to that? They said, give us three days. They ran away. They never came back. By the way, the Chida asks on that Gemara, what do you mean 600,000 Jews worked for 430 years? We only worked in Egypt a fraction of that amount of time. It wasn't 430 years. So the Chida says actually we worked for 86 years. The actual labor was 86 years. One-fifth of 430. And actually 600,000 Jews did not work. It was 600,000 Jews is one-fifth. Three million Jews worked. So the numbers are accurate. 600,000 Jews worked for 430 years, meaning 86, 86, 86, 86. Because 600,000 is a fifth, meaning 600,000 working for 430 is the equivalent of 3 million working for 86. Okay, Marv Rabbi, and therefore, since it's wages and not monetary payment, therefore we do not apply the rule of Kimle Bederabamine. Okay, Dvar Torah number 9. We say in the Haggadah, Ad Niglu Aleim Melech Malchei Hamlachem. The king, who's the king of kings. 
So we just sort of take this uh, phrase for granted, God's the king of all kings. You have King Henry, King Charles, and God is the king over all of them. But it says he's the king over the kings over kings. So who are the three kings? Who are the other two kings besides God? So Abraham Knievsky said very Pashat. He's the king of the king of kings. Who are the king of kings? Those who rule over the world. So there are two different ways of saying this. In the Sefer Haggadah Shepesach Tars Chaim, they quote Reb Chaim in Siach Sif Saisenu as saying something that he doesn't say, but actually I think it's even better than what's brought. Namely, there were kings in the world and then there were super kings. There were kings who ruled over the whole kippa, Achav, Achashver, Nebuchadnezzar. And Tosheth says, what about Alexandros? And no, you would not count him. So, there were regular kings, King Henry, King George, King Louis, and then there were king over kings, Achav, Achashver, Nebuchadnezzar, and God is the king who rules over the kings, the king of the king of kings. But Rav Chaim also, uh, it's attributed, based on the Gemara Chagiga, that the king of animals is the lion, the king of behemoths is the ox, the king of birds is the eagle, and man is misgah over them, and God is misgah over man. So therefore, God is the king over the, over the king of kings. God is the king over man, who is the king over the Ari, the Shar, and the Nasher. And finally, there's a very interesting stero we find in the Haggadah. At the end of Magid we say, We say, God who made miracles for our forefathers and for us. First we mention our forefathers, then us. And then right after, we say, who redeemed us and who redeemed our forefathers. We say us and then our forefathers. So this is the stira of the Masanisim, the Baal Nesivais Hamishbat. Why first do we mention our forefathers and then us, and then we say us and then our forefathers? So he says very important, very important. Regarding miracles, where the miracles of Egypt were the most chashuv, and there never will be like them again, and they're the root of all miracles, therefore we say our forefathers and then us. But regarding the geula, geula means Kenyan, the fact that God took us and acquired us to be His people, so vis-a-vis us, we are the main beneficiary, and then we mention our forefathers as well. So regarding the miracles, the, our forefathers comes first. Regarding the Geula, the Kenyan, God's acquisition of us, then we are primary. However, Reb Chaim Knievsky also discussed this question. And we can answer, based on the idea that Chayev Adam Lira says, Atzmai So in the Bracha Asher Ga'alanu, when we're talking about tonight, that we're fulfilling mitzvahs, higiyanu lechol. So we're talking about the mitzvahs, and we're obligated to view that we ourselves left, 
So we mention ourselves first. But regarding Stam thanking of Hashem, so first we mention our forefathers, and then we mention uh, ourselves. So these are ten Divrei Torah from Reb Chaim Kinevsky, called from eight different Svarim. Number one, Siach Sifsoyseinu. Number two, Minchas Toida. Number three, Rav Chaim Kinevsky on Zmirais. Number four, Haggadah Torah Chaim. Number five, Taima Dekra. Number six, Siach HaPesach. Number seven, Bididi Havei Ovda. Number eight, Derach Sicha. These are ten Divrei Torah called from eight different Svarim of Rav Chaim Knievsky. So this is our first year. I do want to have another um, short um, share with you, if you could hang in there a few more moments. Okay, I'm just going to change this battery, and then we'll be ready. One second, I'm just getting safer. Just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.